Remember yesterday, Will, we were talking about the new Mac Pro 2019? Yes. Remember that conversation? Uh, there were some people like, Lou, you don't understand who this thing is for. You're, you're, uh, you're missing the point here. No, I, I mean, I fully understand. I, told, I, I thought I made it clear by stating early in that video that I had the previous version of it. Back then, the maxed out version of it, it was like 15 grand. So trust me, like I'm, I've been in this thing for a minute. This is for people who want to, they want to, the ultimate kind of Mac. That's what it is. Like you're happy with Apple software, maybe Final Cut, something like this. And you just want to chew through it as quickly as possible. Maybe you, you probably make money on content if you buy one of these. And so you can justify a higher cost because you're, you're, you're looking at it as a, a business style investment. That's fine. Uh, but there's other elements of this particular launch that to me are a bit offensive regardless, like the stand, the, the, the $1,000 stand. Explain that one to me. How do, you, how do you map that one out? Like not the display, I get it. The display, very high-end specifications, but the stand for the display costing 1,000. What is the justification there other than, hey, we're a luxury brand, we can do what we want. Like it's a nice looking stand, but $1,000, to me, is evidence of, uh, of Apple's position in the game. Like, what they, what they feel like they can do, what they feel like they can get away with. This, this is probably the most offensive thing that they launched. Maybe it's a joke to them. I'm not really sure. Uh, but it's gotten some attention because of how bizarre it, it happens to be. You can obviously buy monitors for less than $1,000, let alone the stand to, to stick them on. Now, it looks like it's metal. Uh... <laughs> it obviously it obviously uh pivots has the potential to pivot but so here's the thing it's like out, on one side apple says hey we're not a luxury brand in that previous conversation we had uh about privacy and how google criticized apple saying hey privacy you guys treat it like a luxury if they're not treating privacy as a luxury okay that's one thing because you could get into an iphone for i don't know five six hundred bucks or something but how do you, what other way is there to describe a, a $1,000 metal stand other than luxury? Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with luxury, for the record. There's not, there's all kinds of luxury goods. You decide what it's worthwhile for you. But like, let's not try to pretend that this is strictly utilitarian and justified on its own merit beyond the fact that it's fancy and that it's luxury. So you want to put this thing on your desk. You want to have the $1,000 stand with the $5,000 screen and a $6,000 Mac, fantastic. Just understand what it is. Don't is. Let's not try to pretend that every single element of this thing is justified from a cost perspective. The tower is probably the most justified when they did the math against PC workstations of a similar price point. But I think when you package it all together and people see, like I don't think it does Apple any favors to have this $1,000 stand because you're trying to make the case on one hand that you're like, look, this uh, is actually not that expensive. It maps really close to what PC workstations are selling for uh, if you were to spec them out in a similar fashion. And then you're like, and next up, we're launching a $1,000 slab of aluminum. And it's like, so it doesn't make the same case. In fact, it states the, the opposite. And this is where the confusion comes in from customers. And this is where people end up saying, okay, Apple is expensive. And they start to make that association that it must be expensive because all the memes and jokes come pouring in about the $1,000 stand. So anyhow, I think uh, I think in, in some funny way, the stand steals the show. 
it ends up getting all the jokes. It ends up, I saw Jax Films did a, did a music video about the stand, the $1,000 stand. He says Apple is like supreme now. And he, it's, he's kind of right. I mean, when it comes to the stand itself, that gives you a little insight into the mindset. But even on this, even me saying what I'm saying about the stand, I still feel like there's going to be people that are like, hey, you don't understand. That's special. That's a special stand. So when you got guys like Jax Films who typically don't really cover this segment, maybe with the exception of Apple stuff, and they're doing a parody on your stand and it's on the trending page and you know that there's you've hit a nerve. So that's all I was trying to get at yesterday. I understand the product. Look, I told you, I spent way too much money on a previous version of it. So let's just be clear. I get it. For a certain workflow, if you can save some time and you're getting paid for that work, that can be, that can be meaningful. But uh, beyond that, it's like, let's just be honest about the places where Apple takes their liberties, like with the $1,000 stand. So... Uh, now, that actually wasn't the story I wanted to lead with. I just wanted... Will's got something he's showing me here. Uh, so, did you hear about this, uh, you know, Cause the Artist? He made a collaboration with Uniqlo, the clothing brand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And apparently in China, it's like huge. It happened today and people are going crazy in They're China. They're peeling it off the models. They're ripping the arms off of the mannequins to get this clothing off. It just kind of reminds me that, uh, you know, a brand can just be so enticing for people to just get wow they're fighting over it over here they're fighting over this t-shirt it's, it's that's bananas man i don't yeah just people like rushing into the stores even before the gates of the stores open they're just like rushing in and then just destroying it like to get like a t-shirt yeah i mean we've seen this of course before you get the black friday clips it's yeah. this scarcity thing. When people think they can't get something, they just, all of a sudden, they trigger some sort of a zombie mindset. In fact, they say that's the origin of the zombie concept is the idea that through consumption habits and through this kind of automatic process of scarcity and feeling like you need this next thing, that you're not even in your right mind. You're not even in your right frame of mind. I mean, these people really do resemble the walking dead, brain dead, doing something like this. I mean, I wouldn't be caught doing something like this, but maybe, I don't know, maybe in a different time of my life, if I thought something was cool, I'm not really sure, but it's a, it's a herd mentality, Will. It's like once you get enough people doing something, it's justified based on their presence alone. Like, oh, they're all racing towards something. It's like a stampede. Right. They're, you know, it's like a herd mentality. It's like um, the gazelles in the Serengeti. You know where that is? Mm. What continent is that in, Will? Yeah, exactly. All right. That's in Africa, all right? The Serengeti. Yeah. Anyway, it's like a gazelle. They, one of them spots uh, something that looks like a predator and, and, and starts to bounce, and they all got to bounce with them. Or in the case of who's the one who jumps off the cliff, is that the... What are those called? No, 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 not the walrus. Manatee? It's like famous for, for, for going on... Is it... Oh, lem lemmings? Lemmings. Yeah. That's right. Lemmings. Yeah. It's like famous for like one guy goes, it's like when you were younger and your parents said, that's great that your friend Billy has X, Y, Z, but if Billy jumped off a cliff, would you jump off a cliff? You know, that whole thing. Yeah. And, the, and the kid's kind of like, yeah, maybe I would. I don't know. Billy's pretty cool. Whatever. So 
Anyway, that's the mindset. But this is actually not where I wanted to start to start the show today. I just wanted to get that uh, out there in the world. I feel like Apple doesn't have to do this stuff, man. Most uh, valuable company in the world, a thousand dollar stand is offensive. It, and the funny thing is, it's kind of like you got to get it to match the whole picture. Are you really going to put it on some ugly vase amount of your $5,000 display? Nah, man, you want it to look like that. So you're going to get that too. And they, I know what they know. They do the math internally. They're very smart, right? Like pr from a profit perspective, they go, all right, the dude's already on the hook for 6,000 minimum for the system. What's Five another thousand bucks? You know? Exactly. 5,000 minimum for the display. Thousand. He's already expensing the thing. They know who they're selling to with this particular product. So can you blame them? No and yes. Like you can blame that you can't blame them in the sense that I'm sure they will sell this. They will profit more because of it. But you then, yes, you can blame them in the sense that they're not doing a great job for their image because a lot of people who aren't necessarily in this marketplace are going to look at this product as kind of an icon of, of excess, especially in the form of the $1,000 aluminum stand. So I'm saying it works in both. It works both ways. Who do you want to be as a brand? Being premium is great to a point. You got to deliver, as we've seen in a smartphone game, value becoming more important, a, a more prominent component in consumer decisions. And does, does, does Apple, is Apple self-aware enough to recognize where they lean too far into luxury and where they expose their weaknesses from an accessibility standpoint? And I'm not talking accessibility like you can speak to your phone or put it in contrast mode. In fact, they're very good in that department. I mean, economic accessibility. It's one of the issues they had in India and various other places that, they're, that they would have had to hijack or cannibalize their image too much in order to appeal to the wide variety of audiences necessary for a business at this scale. So I don't, I'm not... For the record, I'm not coming here and saying you have to go do this thing, Apple. You have to be careful with products like this. I'm just saying this is how things can be interpreted from each of the two perspectives. It's like I run a business. I know people are going to slap on this stand, so I'm going to charge a 1000 for it. I feel like the market can bear that. That's fine. Free market, wonderful, beautiful. But it ain't free, right? There's an equal reaction on the other side of the chain, which is perception and what you represent and who you're for and whether or not you're exclusive or accessible. So like it's this constant balancing act. That's all I want to say on that. Okay, now next up, I guess this is kind of in a similar territory and maybe how my head got to this topic back to that stand. Uh, there was a, a customer satisfaction survey that recently came out, American Customer Satisfaction Index for wireless service and cellular telephone as well as individual devices. And uh, it's U.S. only, and they do this every year, and they try to figure out, first, are people satisfied with the industry as a whole? And in that sense, uh, customers are actually uh, happy. Their, their, their satisfaction is up 1.4% from last year, but it lags some other industries. People still upset about dropped calls and various other things with their telco providers, prices, contracts, the usual kind of stuff. So anyway, through this survey, they figure out uh, who, the, who the best carriers are from a customer satisfaction perspective in the US. And then secondly, they find out what the most popular or, uh, devices were or the most satisfying, satisfactory devices on these carriers. So 
I think you might have an old one here. I don't know what this one is. Well, 2019. 2019. I don't know if this is based on the same survey. In this one, T-Mobile actually led the way with a satisfaction score of 76. This is actually uh, posted NBCNews.com slash better, which is like, I guess, a sub, kind of like a sub site on NBCNews.com. And yeah, there you go. You found it. This is posted one day ago. So this is the most recent customer satisfaction survey. And T-Mobile led the pack, 70, a score of 76. And their customers say that the company provides a better value. So again, well, coming back to this idea of like value in the telco marketplace, starting to, to become an important component in people's considerations, not just around devices, but also their carriers. Uh, next up, US Cellular and Verizon tied at 74, AT&T at 73, and Sprint at 65. Uh, their customers rated them low for both quality and reliability, or at least the lowest of the bunch. Now, they also ranked some of the smaller carriers. And interestingly enough, uh, some of the small companies actually beat the big ones. Consumer Cellular had a score of 85, Straight Talk Wireless 80, and Track Phone 77. Uh, again, totally in the value department. And I, I assume for the individuals who... Uh, who are serviced by those brands, they are, may, maybe they're easier to satisfy because they're paying less. Maybe there's a weird transactional component to that. But nonetheless, smaller companies, people are, are, are satisfied with them. Now, what you guys care about probably globally is which devices were people's favorites, what, which were they most satisfied with. And uh, it's actually Samsung gained 1% from last year, pushing it into a tie for first place with Apple. So, how perfect is that? Apple and Samsung tying once again with an 81 score for satisfaction. And it also states here that according to these customers, price may be an issue for Apple as the data showed the company's value is lacking compared to other manufacturers. And again, this comes from end users, from customers who are putting this information out there. So we're flipping it back around to the earlier discussion where value is now a feature. Maybe if you could say privacy is a feature, value is also a feature that people are considering. And and every and, and, and is Apple doing enough in that department to satisfy that crowd? They don't have to, for the record. I'm just saying, as you can tell from these types of surveys, it's a consideration for end users. And it will, in a sense, uh, come, into come into play when people are making their purchasing decisions. So they tie at 81. Motorola's got an 80. LG 78. As far as the individual device that was America's favorite smartphone with a score of 86, it was the Galaxy Note 9. And keep in mind, this, this uh, study here, this research is for the previous year. So if you're wondering why it's not the most, why, why it's not, not necessarily the, the most recently released device, like say a Galaxy S10 or something, uh, this is based on data that was accumulated over the period of that year. Uh, customers appreciate the powerful Android model with its large screen and broad capabilities. The iPhone 10 comes in at an 83, three points lower. And then there's a number of other devices that tie at an 82. So again, it's a wide survey. It's not specifically tech fans being polled. It's a, it's a, it's, it's giving you a map of like the general public. And it's kind of interesting. It's not really surprising in the sense that you kind of knew that Samsung and, and Apple would be near the top. It's a little interesting that Samsung gained a little bit of ground, 
particularly with the Note series, which at one time was like kind of a second rate series. But now, as you can tell, people very satisfied uh, scoring an 86. And then on the carrier side, uh, no one really scoring that high, to be honest. If T-Mobile wins it with a 76, but satisfaction on a particular device could be an 86, as we just determined, you start to recognize that it's like there, there's still a ways to go in the carrier department. Nobody's over the moon happy with their uh, individual carriers. And I'm sure, I'm sure, there, I'm sure that if this uh, Sprint-T-Mobile merger takes place, it may, it may impact this in an even more negative way because it, one of the things that keeps this, this, uh, uh, this ecosystem in check is at least the competition that you can go somewhere else. And funny enough, it's those smaller, scrappier competitors at, at the lower end of the market that people are more satisfied with, interestingly enough. So anyhow, Galaxy Note 10, according to this study, is the uh, most satisfactory device of 2019 the note nine what did See, i say note 10 oh no nine yeah no nine yeah <laughs> of course how loud is this rain by the way it's not too bad no you don't hear it no okay it's raining by the way raining in the studio monsoon season mm. it's really it's not it's just springtime uh next up Senator calls for FTC investigation into dangerous detox teas on social media. What do you know about that, Will? No, nothing. You never saw this before. Fit tea. It's on Instagram. If you're on Instagram and you hit the discover page, I'm sure eventually you're going to bump into this stuff. Uh, the Kardashians famous for, for uh, peddling the, these fit teas. It's like you hold up a tea. You sign a deal with the brand. You hold up the tea. You're like, look at my tummy. I got the flat tummy. I'm ripped. And it's because of the tea. And then everyone goes and buys the tea. It's your typical influencer stuff. Uh, anyhow, the FTC, not so happy about it. Uh, companies like Flat Tummy Co. use brand ambassador programs to pay influencers to post a certain number of photos and stories to their Instagram accounts and other social media accounts to market their products. So there's teas, there's other notable items. You got uh, appetite suppressors. It's a hot market, Will. You know, you don't, you're not, you don't look perfect enough, Will. You're not ready for prime time. You need the fit tea and the flat tummy and, the, and all the rest of it. So you go out, you look at this stuff, you like the influencer, they're, all, they're hot. And you say to yourself, let me order up some detox. Let me get my, let me slim down. Will, you know about this, right? This is, just a, this is just an average, that's just a weeknight for you on yeah. Instagram. So anyway, the FTC is like, hey, these products are dangerous. Uh, widespread use, deceptive marketing, and they believe that federal action is required. There's a Kim Kardashian post to 141 million followers. With she the looks activate. like uh, Lil Michaela there. She, she looks CG. She looks almost fake. Yeah, she looks CG in that, like, like uh, the topic from the previous episode. Yeah. And who, I mean, she... We were talking specifically about virtual influencers. And you think about it, she, in a way, kind of uh, manufactured. In a way, I mean, a different way, in the, in the real world. But nonetheless, uh, she's, she's uh, selling the Flat Tummy Co. shakes with a long post as well. And look, influencer marketplace, everybody's trying to sell something. 
You've been on the internet. You kind of, at this point in your life, you understand it. But these products in particular are taking some heat because they're, because of the deceptive marketing practices. Like they just say, oh, it's just a detox tea. And then they're finding certain ingredients in here that could be dangerous. Uh, they've been criticized for adverse health effects. These teas use diuretics, laxatives, and a range of stimulants, caffeine, and other things. Well, so it looks all friendly. I mean, it looks like uh, I'm having a little protein shake here in the morning. That's the vibe you get from it. Or the lollipops they sell as well. It all seems so friendly. Meanwhile, you're getting everybody boosted up. All day long, they wake up in the morning, fit tea time. Really, they're just getting stimulated. They're just running on a stimulant. Well, mm. now, I don't have any problem with caffeine, as you can probably tell. Yeah. I'm a big, uh, big caffeine guy, but I know what I'm getting when I, when I, it's not pertaining. I don't go to Starbucks and they say, get the fit tummy. Imagine that on the front. Fit tummy Starbucks. Just drink 20 coffees. Fit tummy. Yeah, fit kinda, tummy and 20. Kind of blurs the line. It gets confusing, Will. And you know who this is targeting, this kind of stuff, right? It's targeting, Me? obviously, you, but then also the other gender. It's, it's targeting girls, possibly young girls. And, uh, and so, anyhow, some people believe the FT, FTC should step in over here and because of the ingredients. These ingredients known to cause dehydration and diarrhea, Will. Now, tell me, oh. are you ready for that? Uh, no, you're not. I hate to say, yeah, I'm not ready. No. You're not, or you are ready. No, no, no. You're not, not ready. ready. No, no. You're not ready. So this is some, this is some shady stuff. If, if, imagine they had to advertise it for what it was. Imagine they had to say, imagine Kim Kardashian had to say, I got the, I got the hot new laxative. Mm. You're going to be on a toilet all day. Mm. You know? Fit, fit tummy laxative. Like, it's not going to fly. It's not the right vibe. So it's like this, like, kind of a weird underbelly of, we're going to call it fit, tea, activate, cleanse, whatever. Then you got the young customer on the toilet all day, and they're like, damn, I just, I'm light. They go step on the scale. What is it promoting, Will? You know? Somebody got to take a look at it. So anyway, that's what this guy's saying. FTC wants to work alongside the FDA to increase efforts to inform the public about what this actually is. So on one end of the spectrum, you got just people being dishonest in the influencer marketplace trying to sell you something. That's got its own set of issues with the FTC. This one is a step more dangerous, in my opinion, because it's got the, the physical, the adverse physical side effects. And, uh, and, it's, and, and it's, it's far reaching. I mean, if you're on, if you're on Kim Kardashian's feed, 141 million followers? That's a lot of girls on the toilet. How much money do you think? To be got? clear, it's a lot of it's a lot of it's a lot of all of it. It's a lot of money. Well, to get on that feed, uh probably maybe Jack's doing the crack research right now. I'm getting a little update here. What does he say? No, that's somebody else. That's Ryan trying to hit us with the news. <laughs> trying to interrupt the show. Anyway. She's getting, I don't know, millions of dollars, man. She gets millions, and the toilets get lots of action. It's a weird exchange. Like, it's just not what you expect. It's just, it just doesn't fit the whole, the whole thing. doesn't really work out properly. Now, I don't know. They're not going to make a comment on it, I'm sure. The transaction already took place, I'm sure. 
but it brings into question the bigger picture on this influencer thing. I speak from personal experience. Will they want to call me that? You know, you catch the emails. How, hey, we, what, what if you promote this? What if you promote? I'm telling you guys, man, it's, it's intense out there. It's difficult. It's a hard place to navigate. I feel like we're, we, myself, getting better at it. Uh, at, at trying to be responsible for anything you attach to. But when you got the biggest influencers in the world that are just like uh, moving laxatives, it's not, it sends a message industry wide that like you can pay for whatever you like. You can get it. You just, with the right amount of money, you can get it. So look, it's, it's very similar to what I said with the virtual influencer topic that we covered on the previous episode. Keep your headlights on, high beams, see through it. Ladies and gentlemen, tell your friends. Nothing is what it seems on the internet. I promise you. Now, for some of you, you're like, yeah, Lou, of course it's not. But I feel I just want to put that signal out into the universe. It's not what it seems. It's a lot of, it's a lot of games taking place. And this is a perfect example of it. You, you package something up. You, that's a package deal. Well, that's the product. The product is not in the bin. It's not in the jar. It doesn't exist without that. Yeah, that's right. Well, that's right. Scroll around up there. That whole thing, that's the product. That's the package deal. You get all, you put those pieces together like Lego, rocket fuel straight to the moon. Toilets everywhere. I'm telling you right now. All right, so anyhow. Oh, man, I got fired up about that. I'm just, look, headlights. Keep it on. It's not what it seems. I promise. Uh, did you know Walmart, they got their own Android tablet now. And it has the full Play Store. And so this makes it an alternative to the very inexpensive tablets from companies like Amazon, like the Fire Tablet. I believe this thing is like 60 bucks. And you know it's going to be plastic. It's not going to be all that fun. According to 9to5Google, the screen has like a sticky feel to it. But one of the things I like reading through here, even with the low spec... Uh, 720p display it's got a relatively clean skin on it like that's the opposite of the amazon situation so is it going to lag a little bit i mean it's not going to be that quick but at least the software's clean and uh, so anyhow rounding out the specs here real quick for 64 bucks what do you get you get 1280 by 800 is it is and you get that in either an 8 or 10 inch variant you pick it up at your local Walmart. It's got Android 9 Pie, which is a fairly clean version of it, as I stated previously. But the, but the bottom line is it's going to feel a lot like 60 bucks. Uh, the $64 gets you the 8-inch model. $79 gets you the 10-inch model. Who's it for? Kids, really, I would say. This is the type of thing where you just hand to, to your kids or something. They want to... They wanna, of course, they got projects to do. They want to hop on, do some research. Mm. I mean, it's not like they're playing games or or uh, YouTube Kids or anything like that. Mm. No, 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 no. It's all Mozart, all right, for the youth. But yeah, you know what I'm saying. Kids, they want to be on YouTube Kids. Yeah, it's what, a good price point. Whatever they want to do, and you don't have to worry about it. Mm -hmm. You just hand it over. You don't care. It's sixty-four bucks. That's what they're going for now. The Amazon angle is like, but wait, you get, here are some 
Amazon specific integrations that you might want to take advantage of the whole Kindle Prime package deal with the content and everything else going on with their Fire products. This is the other angle. This is like you probably have an Android phone. Maybe you have a bunch of Android apps. Maybe you want the full out Play Store, clean OS, unadulterated Android. You want the simplest thing possible. Apparently, Walmart has only installed five apps on it out of the gate. You might have expected more. You know, you might have expected them to load it up with bloatware. It doesn't seem like that much. They have Walmart, Walmart Grocery, Sam's Club, Voodoo, and Books. And as you know, on Amazon's cheapest version of the Fire tablets, they actually put ads on it to subsidize the cost. So that doesn't look like that's the case over here. Now, they don't tell you what the chipset is inside of it, and it's only got two gigs of RAM. So let's just keep that in mind. Let's get the, let's adjust the expectations a little bit for what it is. But honestly, for that purpose, like I said, for a kid, for a non-power user, maybe for a senior citizen, they just want to hop on Facebook and connect with the family real quick, then then 64 bucks. Yeah. What do you say, Will? It's definitely not for power users. No. Nope. But yeah, for old people, young kids, and it's running stock Android, right? So Pretty close to it. So accessibility, that's an accessibility product that gets more people online, yeah. lower investment. I don't think it's such a bad thing. Would I use it? Of course, no. I mean, there's phones everywhere. It's, this is the HQ. This is Unbox Therapy. Everything's No. Will's not going to use it. Kirk's not going to. But we're trying to showcase. There's a lot of solutions out there in the world, you know? There's options. There's options. Uh, next up, smartphone relaxation app helps some manage migraines. Have you ever had a migraine, Will? Oh, yeah, all the time. All the time? Yeah. Dealing oh, that's, with Otis? That's oh. terrible. Yeah, well, I guess Otis would kind of yeah. create that situation for you. Anyway, NYU, that's a university in New York, Will. Uh, their School of Medicine developed an app called Relax Ahead, and it guides patients through progressive muscle relaxation, also called PMR. So apparently there's like a lot of tension going on. It might be responsible for your migraines. And some of these uh, exercises that the app can help you do or guide you in how to do them properly can affect or impact some of that tension, possibly helping you avoid these migraines from taking place, uh, which is kind of a funny one because I was thinking, man, imagine how many smartphones are responsible for people's migraines because they're like all, you know, jammed up looking at their phone in bed, reading bright lights late at night. Like, yeah, that's me right there. Yeah, that's you. So it, it, anyhow, this one, it's a different angle. Use the same smartphone that gave you the migraine to take it away. You see how that works, Will? That's like nicotine patches. See how that works, Will? Yeah. The tobacco companies, they owned the uh, Nicorette. They're like, we'll get you hooked. We'll get you off. See how that goes, Will? Yeah. It's, a whole, it's a game plan right there. I'll anyhow, I'm not saying that's what they're doing here. Obviously, I'm making a joke. But uh, apparently in their study... People who use the app had fewer migraines afterwards in the future. And uh, study participants on average had 13 headaches, headache days per month, ranging between 4 and 31. 39% of those patients in the study also reported having anxiety and 30% had depression. After using the Relax Ahead app, uh, it dropped to 51% after six weeks and 29% after three months. So the, the percentage of migraines went down substantially. 
And the study authors who anticipated a gradual decrease in the use of the app next plan to identify potential ways to encourage more frequent sessions. So you got to keep it up ultimately if you want to keep avoiding uh, avoiding these migraines. So there's uh, it's 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 actually a lot of people affected by migraines in the United States. Thirty six million people. You know, you got three hundred fifty million people in the U.S. It's about ten percent of people that get migraines. This is a pretty pretty high number. So. An app that can help you with that is kind of interesting. I'm curious about it. Maybe if you get migraines, will you give it a shot? Or maybe we help someone else can give it a shot that gets migraines. I don't know. We're just throwing it out there. Uh, Samsung launched its own gaming service with Hatch. Have you heard of Hatch? No. Neither did I up until now. Uh, it's a game streaming service. Like They're going after the Stadia bucks here. And they're doing it alongside their 5G smartphone, the Galaxy S10 5G, of course, because if you're doing this type of game streaming, you're probably going to want a hot connection in order to uh, have a seamless experience. 5G on the verge of being rolled out uh, in the U.S. by AT&T and what, Verizon? Who? Yeah, Verizon, Sprint. I mean, I mean, it's out there. Blazing fast speed, low latency. So Samsung comes out, they team up with Hatch and apparently this service has previously already been launched in Korea. I guess there's a faster connections there. This relationship's already in place and they're going to bring that to North America now. Well, the United States, at least they're saying in this particular, in this particular article, uh, it's a subscription based service. So you're not going to pay per game. Some of the games include Hitman Go, Monument Valley, Space Invaders, Infinity Gene, and Arkanoid Rising. So there's a hundred games and no in-game purchases and no downloads required. So this is the Stadia type of thing. Those are not AAA titles, obviously, like Stadia is promising. But hundred games right now, more than a hundred games right now. None of the annoying in-game purchases. No downloading. None of the in-game advertisements that you would get with like a free game or a free mobile app or something like this. All streaming. Over 5G. Of course, it's great for the carriers using more data. They must love this type of thing. But you could obviously also hop on to Wi-Fi uh, in order to do this streaming. Now, they don't list a price here. Can you find a price, Will? 5G gaming service with Hatch, Samsung. Did they list a subscription price? Because in this article here on CNET, they don't actually list one. Maybe the price is not out yet. Maybe it's a matter of time. Or maybe you're watching this and you know the price. Oh, there we go. Three-month hatch premium. Oh, when you buy the device. I could see that being the case. Click on that one, MS Power User. It looks like it's going to discuss some pricing right there. Yeah. Play Galaxy Link. Uh, so it was in... It, oh, this is early on when it was in the trademark office. So anyhow, maybe the price is out there now at the time that you're watching this. You can leave it in the comment section down below. But it's a cool idea. And it does seem like a futuristic movement is happening in the gaming spectrum where streaming, game streaming, I'm not talking about watching people stream playing games. I'm talking about legit pop open the game and play it, no download, and, and where you can start to offload some of that processing, some of the horsepower to someplace other than where you are. It's not just Google with Stadia that's moving in that direction or the, the big game companies with the consoles, but also Samsung and possibly your mobile phone carriers. You could imagine a future in which, Will, we talked about it before with exclusive titles and things like this, where you could pick up the new Galaxy 
And then their relationship, their game streaming service may have exclusive titles that force you into their hardware. I'm not suggesting they do that. I'm not even suggesting I'm a fan of that. But you could picture that in the future as these brands continue to try to find ways to differentiate themselves. So Will's showcasing here, Destiny 2 is reportedly coming to Google Stadia with cross-save support. How cool is that? Cross-save support. You play a little bit on one platform, right? And then you move over, you're on the go. You pick up from the save point on the mobile. Very cool. I mean, stuff is happening. Guys, you got you, you to gotta be interested in it. You're a tech fan anyway. So why should this particular department stay stagnant? I would probably try a lot more games if it was just a matter of popping it on casually, like how you use Netflix or YouTube or something like this, as opposed to the whole fanfare. I sound like a real fancy boy right now. But the whole fanfare of like picking it, paying for it, downloading it, it's a whole process. It makes me feel kind of, you know, I'm not hate. I'm, I'm just saying I'm a busy guy, you know, so I, I can I can I can see a place for something like this. It doesn't have to completely replace the traditional medium, but like as a substitute, as a next phase, it's kind of cool to see these things. Of course, on Thursday, we're going to hear more about Stadia. So that's tomorrow. That's happening real soon. Uh, did you know? that Ikea is making custom accessories for gamers. We spoke about Ikea in yesterday's episode for different reasons regarding the design of the new Mac Pro and how it kind of resembled. Well, Ikea apparently does want to get in to, to some degree into the consumer electronics space or the 3D printed accessory space. Uh, they've got a couple of different models here and a video to go with it. Uh, they have a 3D printed wrist support targeted at gamers, keycaps, with texture on them. If you scroll down, you can catch a look at those. I think you might have to go down a bit further. Maybe it's not on that. Art. There they are. Textured keycaps. You can replace yours with the texture of your choice. Apparently, eventually, it's going to be a whole customization process. So you can get things suited to your particular anatomy. But uh, here's a company, IKEA. They're not, uh, not going to lay down. They're not going to sit around and, and sell bookshelves for forever. They got to do something. You got, you got fresh blood, young blood in there. They're like, hey, here's the future. Gamers are the future of Ikea. Who would have thought? Mm -hmm. I mean, at least somebody in, internally must have believed that to be the case. You can't stop. You got to work on the next thing. So there's a cool video here showcasing the collaboration between Ikea and this, uh, this design firm responsible for the 3D printing and so forth. They have uh, a couple of different product suggestions right now, but the assumption is that that's going to expand. And in this video, they showcase the construction process, 3D printer. You know, we did the video recently on the 3D printed shoes, which were cool. And we were like, we wished they could be custom. And, and, and this could be another, this is another indication that things through 3D printing, a lot of manufactured goods can trend in this direction where, where we can, you can do a one-off because 3D printers allow for it. So I remember when 3D printers launched, that's a cable management device, that one, uh, Bungie, designed to keep cables clear, 3D printed. I remember when they launched, it was like, these are cool for like prototyping, right? And that was kind of, it still is sort of the case. But now this move towards customization because of course the cost of these machines down so you can have enough of them now to, to have them running in some sort of production facility, 
customization, very interesting and exciting to me that more people could have unique devices, accessories, and with a company like Ikea behind it, you know, they got the footprint to be able to deliver. Apparently, this lineup is going to launch in 2020, and it's going to have all kinds of home products, desk supports, chairs, and tables as well. So who knows how they're going to be customized. It's going it's to be pretty cool. They can actually go out and get it into the universe. They have the scale to do so. So this could be the future of a lot of different products. Imagine if everything you got was some sort of a, you know? You know what people used to talk about is you would have the 3D printer, and you would just transact here, and then it would just go, the design would just start getting mapped out. Like imagine yeah. Ikea had their default 3D printer you could put in your house, and then the map, you just pay for the map. It comes, loads in, uh. and it just starts going. And the material shows up all, every so often. Or it's the other way around. You design something and then you give it to Ikea. They print it out for you. Could be something like that. Make the adjustments. Like, I don't know how the whole back end is going to take place. I assume there's going to be some sort of an app that people are going to interact with. But nonetheless, they're moving along. It's not just bookshelves. Ikea. Mm -hmm. Two days in a row on the show. Will it ever happen again? Probably not. Uh, last one for me, Will. The Porsche Taycan spied wearing camouflage. This is their, uh, their, their Tesla Model S competition. And these are some really good looks at it now. The original renders made it look a lot more futuristic, but this is the, the first full electric, like high volume Porsche vehicle. They're betting on electric. And I think that thing looks pretty cool. You scroll down, you can see a couple more angles on it. Uh, it kind of resembles a Model S to a certain degree, but if you look at the way the curvature happens towards the back end, it looks, uh, it has a 911 vibe to it still. Oh yeah. It still has like a Porsche kind of uh, identity to it in the way it curves down the back. So obviously this is a very well-established car company. They're coming into the electric space. I've said this before, there's a lot that goes into manufacturing a car. It's cool what, what's happened, what they've done at Tesla, in, in essentially creating the segment for electric cars, the legitimate segment. But, but getting good at making cars is about more than just like acceleration or uh, range. Like there's all kinds of fit and finish stuff that you have to become an expert at over a long period of time, which is part of the reason for the excitement around this vehicle. I think people looking at it probably think, okay, here's an established brand. This is going to be expensive, by the way. But here's an established brand taking something they've done really well and just plugging in the electric piece. I think that's exciting to people. Now, I'm not uh, obviously not endorsing this product. I don't know if it's going to be any better. They're talking about speed numbers at 3.5 seconds. So it seems like the Model S, at least the performance version, is still going to be faster than this. So who really knows what they're going for? They're just trying to modernize as well. And I, I personally think it's a good thing for the electric car to have this variety available for the future of the electric car to not be pushed along essentially by one manufacturer, but instead to get the support of others. I'm not sure Elon would agree with that. Who knows how this is going to affect them? I know Tesla has had a go of it just trying to get profitable. It's hard to make cars. I know Porsche can do it. Uh, now, we have to wait and see what the quality's like. I think it's cool. What do you think, Will? Yeah, I think it's great that these um, big car companies are, you know, trying their hand on electric vehicles. It's a big achievement. 
And if they have the logistics and supply chain to actually make it happen, I think it's great. Although I heard that Tesla's like technology is like insanely, you know, intricate. Yeah. Like I mean, when it comes to the self-driving stuff and yeah. th that area, the software area, that's the area they've been at it. Yeah, that's where they excel. They've been at it longer, of course, than anyone else. The car part of it, like the dash and right. the, you know, the trims and like this is the this is the part where you have an expertise over here. It's almost like you want Porsche to be able to license certain aspects from Tesla. I don't think that's ever going to happen, but you got to wonder about the autonomous aspect of this of this car if it exists. It's going to be a matter of time. There's uh, only been certain info that's leaked out or that they've been willing to share at this point. But we're going to find out more soon because, what do they say here? The debut is going to come before the end of the year. So we're going to see cool. this, this car before the end of the year. Some people in the automotive segment are kind of goofing on this post because the camouflage is not really camouflage. It's like, what are you really camouflaging here? And usually when you're trying to camouflage a car, you don't put the name of the car on the camo. So it's kind of funny. I don't think they're really trying to hide it at this point. I think they're pretty set on the, on the design of it. But anyhow, a couple people, automotive segment, cracking a few jokes on that one. I think it looks cool. All right, Will, you got anything you want to talk about today, sir? Um, this story uh, was maybe like a couple episodes back. You were talking about like this animated chart on YouTube. Yeah. About the richest companies. Yeah. With their net. I found one here that uh, kind of shows off um the most viewed youtube videos through a set number of time like 2006 to 2019 and you can see that um you know a lot of these uh these videos turn into music videos the most popular ones mm -hmm. they rise right up to the top and they just stay there so up here you'll see like justin bieber baby is like number one and then all of a sudden you see Gangnam Style just like totally push it out of the way. That becomes number one. And then all of them just become music videos, essentially. Yeah, well, I mean, I mean, there's two ways to look at it. You could be like, hey, there. I think that's a kid's video climbing up right there in 2016. Masha and the Bear, I'm guessing. Mm. It says it's from Get Movies. Here's the thing about music videos, right? It, uh if they're not boosting the numbers, like if we just take that thing aside and say like that's not part of it, although music business has done that in the past through radio play, record sales, there's been some funny business with record labels and things like this. So let's take that out of the equation though. Music, you listen to it more than once if you like it. Yeah, there's a lot of replay. Value. Replayability. So if you have a regular video with like 5 million views, but it's a song that people like, they might play that song three, four, seven, 12 times. So that multiplier effect is bananas. But see there, you got Baby Shark. Look at Baby Shark coming up down on the bottom there. So you will get like a, 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 a random kids yeah. video. You, I see Baby Shark, I see Masha and the Bear, and they, I don't think those are music videos. But otherwise, Katy Perry, Roar, Maroon 5, Sugar, Justin Bieber, Sorry, Psy, uh, Gangnam Style, Mark Ronson, Uptown Funk. I didn't know Uptown Funk passed Gangnam Style. See, that surprises yeah. me. Wiz Khalifa, See You Again, Ed Sheeran, Shape of You, and Luis Fonzi, Despacito, featuring Daddy Yankee. That's at 6.2 billion views. 6.2 billion views. You want to know what's crazy? I don't even know how many of these songs I've heard. 
At the, have I heard them all? I just don't remember the names of them. I, I guess I've heard them all. I just don't remember. Yeah. Okay. Well, anyhow. Yeah, see you again, Wiz Khalifa. I'm sure I've heard it. It just, whatever. I mean, I'm not remembering Fast it. Fast and the sense. Furious? I never searched it up is what I'm trying to say. I'm sure I heard it in the background somewhere. Four billion views. I'm guessing I heard it. Yeah. But that's wild. Those are big numbers. Big numbers. It's kind of like the T-Series topic that you talked about the other day yeah. with them passing 100 million subscribers. It's like, man, these, these numbers keep getting more and more crazy as the scale of the platform gets more and more crazy. Mm -hmm. So do you have some questions for us today, Will? What do you got? Lou, what is your take on the music industry? Whoa, did you did you line those up? Uh, no. What is your take I, on the music industry? I, I had industry? another story, but uh, it, it was like a really quick one if you wanted to cover it. What, is music related? So, <laughs> no, it's not. Oh, you got, a, you got a story you really want to get in. You took, you put the guy's question up, you got rid of it. What the? So, Xbox body wash. Is this real though? It's hitting Australia. Wait, but is it real though? Will, are you sure this is real and not a joke? It was trending on Twitter. Xbox-inspired fragrance range is hitting Australia grocery stores and pharmacies in July. You can pick up deodorant, body spray, and shower gel. Link's Xbox is described as a fresh scent. What? Why? What is the need here? What's going on? Because if you're a gamer, you sweat and you have Xbox... Oh, Body thanks, wash. Will. Yeah, nice Just try. To, I see know, what you're doing here. Tie it all you're in. trying to get me fired up, aren't you? That's what you're trying to do. This is one of those like weird licensing deals where like somebody's got a somebody has a golf game, you know? Hmm. Some Microsoft executive he go, like he wants to schedule a golf game. He's like, Who, who's in my Rolodex here? Oh yeah, the guy from the body spray. We had to justify yeah. golfing 14 times between now and the end of the year. Xbox body spray. You see yeah, what I'm doing? You see what I'm saying there? That's how Have these things go. come together. Wow, that's wild. I don't know. I never thought I'd see the day. Well, you, you're bringing the heat, though. That is some. That is a absolutely flaming news story. Is how I would describe it. Anyways, it's on fire. Okay, cool. Very, very well. Oh, you the subject line. I love Willie Do and the heart that's right. emoji. Oh that's right. man, you love that too much. You're a sick man, Will. No, you know what? I love it too because I also love Willie Do. Yeah. Have I ever said that before? Is this, is this, you put the cricket sound effect in right now. <laughs> now that I have Will's attention, dot, dot, dot. Lou, what is your take on the music industry? Has streaming and accessibility when it comes to producing content made the industry better or has it created too much clutter? It sometimes feels impossible to be heard when there's so much sound out there. I love the show and listen every day. Oh, thank you so much, Christian. Brinkley, P.S. I do love you, Willie Do. Yeah, I see. He wasn't choking around. Uh, what you said is absolutely true. It's like a lot of things, right? Accessibility. More people going to be doing it. At first glance, that seems like a nice thing, good thing. I mean, there's a lot of voices out there. You want those voices to be heard. You want everybody to be able to play the game. If, uh, if that's what they want to do. That's what you hope for. But without having any gatekeepers... Signal to noise ratio. You get this giant mashup going on. You get a lot of a lot of people trying their hand, and not every, not all of it's going to be good. That's the thing. It's just the nature of uh, of nature of the beast, as they say. Overall, I like it better because the idea of gatekeepers kind of bugs me. 
Like the idea of some executive deciding what gets to go out in the world, what message gets to gets to get, has access to the to to distribution, that to me is bothersome. Then you have just a handful of perspectives that are able to leak out and leak through. But there, trust me, it's not all upside on the streaming side because when it comes to engaging with the art itself, this feeling of an abundance, this feeling of an unlimited supply, sometimes from an end user perspective means that you, it's devalued, like your perception of the importance of it or your ability to engage with it to really pay attention. It's already, when it comes to content, it's very easy to be at an attention deficit where you can just pop around and bounce around and a lot of social media is contributing and almost training us to do that, to be like that, to behave that way. So, so then you have this, this stuff that really matters to people. You have this very personal art, presumably. And you're like, I'm going to spend, I can only spend 10 or 12 seconds and then I'm hitting, I'm hitting next. And it's like, geez, man, that guy spent three weeks on that track. And you're just flipping it like it was nothing. So there's a thing with the volume, the velocity, where it's like it almost rips away some of the, the specialness, some of the, uh, some of the value, the potential value, and, and, and the end user's willingness to engage with that or to perceive value in the thing. But for me, this is an inevitable occurrence. This is what was going to happen as the world came online. You just weren't going to be able to put the, put the cat back in the bag, in the hat. I don't know. Cat's out of the bag. Cat's out of the bag. People got online. They started sharing not just their music, but everything, man. You know that, that thing about like human content, all human created content, the percentage of it that has happened in like the, 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 the very recent past, like in the last 10 years? Human beings made 100 times more content than... You know what I'm saying? I don't remember the exact statistic. We're all online. Everybody's messages, everybody's posts, everybody's pictures, everybody's Instagram stories, everybody's music, everybody's videos, everybody's movies. It's all there. We got to sift through it all now. And now we got to trust the new gatekeepers. You know who that is? The algorithms, Willie do. The algorithms. That's the new gatekeepers. That's the new record label. So we got to reverse engineer it. You know, I said everybody in, 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 in this kind of game that's trying to get content out to the world has to become some sort of a scientist on the distribution side to figure out what you got to do to get the message out there in a, in a very vast and populated landscape. But I don't want to go back to the old way. Myself, I wouldn't exist if it was the old way. Now, I'm not talking specifically in the music business, but just in general, the content business. I probably wouldn't exist because if it, it's like I wouldn't have had the keys to the castle. I could click upload. I could play the game. Even if I had to play really hard and weird and become some sort of algorithmic scientist, nobody stopped me from trying. And I guess you can always pick up a guitar. You can pick up a microphone. You can do your thing. And now you can put it online. And I think that, you know, you get a lot of people, you get a lot of uh, artists that are a bit upset about it because they remember a time in which people treated the substance a little bit more specially, where people were excited about some new release because it didn't happen that frequently. You know, I'll talk to my parents, for example, Well, when they got a, my dad had a record collection. 
And like his record collection would look a lot like other people's record collection. Because if you were going to spend money on it, on a record, you better, you probably, you want to be sure you kind of like it. So you would go listen to someone else's place and you put that on and you would listen top to bottom, start to finish, like a ritual. And the meaning of that by default is going to have to be more significant to you because of your investment level as a customer, as a listener. It's different. You invested yourself. It's the same way to people out here defending the products and brands they like in the tech segment. Once you've invested, you spent your money. That's commitment right there. So what do I think about the music business? I think this was going to happen. I think it's a new game. And the sooner we become aware and we just recognize the new nature of it, the sooner that the individuals that are making the stuff can start to realize they can't, you can't just be that one thing. I know it's unfortunate. We want everything to be black and white, signed, sealed, and delivered. I'm just a guitar player. I'm just a lyricist. I'm just this one individual. I don't want to encompass all these other elements. It ain't like that anymore. You got to have your head on straight. You got to have these other aspects, these other elements. You got you to gotta grind, you know? You got to get yourself in the meat grinder. See what you can do. See where you can be useful. See where you can enhance your offering. You got to play the game. I hope it doesn't discourage people. Like, I hope people still do it, but just recognize the limitation in that. No, your music is not that special. Like, I mean, that's, neither is this video. You can go click a thousand other things right now. You got the sidebar over there. You're clicking. There's people clicking off right now. Will. I'm doing it right now. You're, you, who knows what you're watching over there? So, but it doesn't change the fact. Access. I love it. I don't want to take it away from anyone because ultimately that's the chance. That's the piece. I, people right now, they're going to say, no, it's not really a chance, Lou. If I go put something online, what, 12 people going to see it? Wait, wait, come on, dude. I'm just saying just the ability to hit the button. Imagine a reality in which that wasn't the case. Imagine a reality in which you had to put the outfit on, go into the office. Imagine me. Please give me the show on YouTube, please. Executive, please. That ain't me, man. They gave me the button. I said, all right, let me tackle this button. I saw the upload button. I said, all right. Him, it might be a disaster. This might go nowhere. This could be embarrassing. The things people are going to say and do. What about the people in my personal life? Oh, who does he think he is? You know, you got to do it all, but the button is there. The button is there, you know? So what's my take? Uh, there's a lot of sound out there. Yeah. Christian, there's a lot of sound out there, but that's the way I'd, I will prefer it. To answer your question, that's the way I will prefer it. And Willie Do loves you back, by the way. Yeah. Next question. Hey team, have you ever been to Germany and what do you think about it? Yeah. You know what? Uh, Oh, this is another one. What do you think about Germany, German people? I've been to Germany actually more times than a lot of other places because I've been to IFA a couple of times in Berlin, Munich. I think that's it. Uh, it's very clean, very clean, modern, low-rise buildings. It always it strike you. Low-rise buildings. History. I mean, the old churches and things like this and the, the vibe very peaceful type of vibe 
I was outdoors a lot. I had uh, something called currywurst, which is like bratwurst, but it's like curry flavor. Mm. And you get it on the street. It was delicious. I also had an incredible, I had an incredible hamburger when I was in Berlin. I don't remember the name of the place, but there's a bit of dispute over the origin of the hamburger at that point in time. German people couldn't have been more friendly. Uh, I think I did a little meetup, in fact, with some people at IFA. I met a lot of uh, German people. Beer? Will he do beer schnitzel? I had some of that. And uh, I actually have some German uh, ethnicity or something on the DNA test. My last name, I believe, is German. So maybe that's why. Maybe there's some kind of... Munich surprised me the weather. Not Munich. Wait. Munich in the south? Give me a quick refresh on the map there. Is that in the south? Which one is the hot one? I went to... Look how sunny that is. You see, it must be Munich. Give me a zoom out on this map right here. I want to see where that's located. It is the south. It's in the south. Okay. Yeah, Munich. So the weather was really nice. It was crazy sunny. It surprised me. I was on a rooftop patio. Oh, another thing. I had a night. I'll just say. Let oh. me say. I, I'm pretty sure this evening I was the loudest guy in Munich. I'm pretty sure. I mean, I'm the loudest guy in most places. Ask Willie Do. He's upset most of the time. He's looking at me. He's snickering. Can you, he's, he's looking at me. Can you get it together, please? Jeez, man, you're making a scene. Anyhow, I was doing the usual, making a scene. I had a few, I had a few drinks. I'll be honest. Probably had a stein like that, like the one Will's showing. And usually, if you're in that state, kind of belligerent, you had too, you were drinking or whatever, and it's getting late in the night, usually people are getting aggravated with you and you feel their aggravation, like, as you go back to the hotel with the taxi driver, people were the coolest when I was in that mental state. We went to uh, the, we showed up at breakfast because we had stayed up the whole night and we showed up at breakfast in Munich, smelling of beer and whatnot. And they were like, come on in, let's go. Breakfast time. What do you need? An omelet and so on and so forth. And I don't remember who was with me, but whoever's with me remembers this. We were like, wow, these people are being so nice to us, even though we're garbage. Right now, we're human garbage. I don't even want to serve myself in that moment. Like, that's, that's, the, that's the degree to which, that's the state we were in at that moment in Munich. So, what can I say about Germany? What can I say about it, Will? I loved it. Big fan. German people. It's all good. Well done. Steins, beer, schnitzel, currywurst. History. Uh, what a time to be alive. All right, one more question, Will. Hey, Lou. Hey, Will. My name is Tomas. I love that you always put some humor into the show. I crack up several times, usually. What was your first pet? How big of a crime is putting pineapples on pizza? Okay. I'll do the pet one first. I probably had a goldfish. That doesn't count. It didn't last very long. I had a dog, a puppy named Buddy that was hit by a transport truck when I was young. I still recall crying about that with the whole family. We came back from a trip. Someone was babysitting a dog, and he's like, yeah, I got hit by the transport truck. Oh, no. 
the screen door was left open. Crazy, crazy story. We lived in a kind of like, like a rural setting when I was really young for like a couple years of my life. And that's where this occurred. Mm -hmm. So it must've been close to like a main freeway or something or whatever it was that happened. We cried whole family for like a day. After that, got another dog named Spike. That was a wonderful dog. German Shepherd. It was a mix. Uh, some German Shepherd and some other type, type of dog as well mixed together. She was a, uh, that was a dog. That was a dog. She, when you would come home, I mean, it was a noble dog. I mean, she would look out for you. And uh, just a part of the house, you know? Lots of love. You would go away on a trip or something, you come back. Oh, man. Tail wagon. Very, love that dog. So that was next. What was the next? What was the other? Pineapples. Go put, put pineapples. Put whatever you want. It's not a crime. Wait, wait, wait. Put, wait. Sweet and salty is not confusing. It's a common flavor. People go crazy over this one. Like, you can't do What do you do? <laughs> Someone arrest this, man. Sweet and salty is well established. Sweet and salty, that's peanut butter. I think that people who hate this combination probably hate peanut butter, probably hate salted caramel. It's just sweet and salt. You know, you know there's not that many flavors. You watch that Netflix one, sweet, salt, fat. It's not, yeah, salt, fat, acid, heat. It's not that many flavors to figure out. So Kirk's, Kirk's saying peanut butter, but that, that's your own, that's your own hang up. That's your own hang up because I feel like it just it just comes across as just a sweet salty thing going on, and tomato sauce is already sweet to go with the salty cheese. So it's just kind of like it could be over the top sweet for somebody. I can get that. It's a lot of sweetness, and that might be what people are against. But I will. I don't care. I'll easily eat that, and I'm not even mad if anybody. I, honestly, and we had this pizza conversation. Pizza for me is very important. We talked about it multiple times. But how you take your pizza and where you get your pizza doesn't really bug You want to do deep dish, Chicago, pineapple. You want to make a dessert pizza. I like the concept of the pizza. Like pizza is representative of a thing for me. Now you could ask me my preferences. I have them. I like fairly simple pizzas myself is what I would typically have. But man, you do, do your thing, man. Do your thing. Uh, I remember when I was young, I was a big Ninja Turtles guy. You know Ninja Turtles? Yeah, of course. Hey, man, don't get offended or anything. You know, maybe you didn't. Maybe you weren't a Ninja Turtles guy. It's possible. I mean, the youngsters out there, they never heard of the Ninja Turtles. Ninja Turtles, it was a, they got the pizza thing in the way that I did. They got it. Like, their clan, their group, their social, their atmosphere, like, pizza brought it all together. Look at that. You can you get it. Look at that. <laughs> so friendly. Each one of them on a, on a slice. They shared, you know, every so often, uh, Raphael, he's not, he, you know, he didn't want to be part of the team or whatever. He was mad at uh, Leonardo or whatever. The pizza representative of the whole package, of the circle, of the, the inner sanctum, you know? I love that. I love that pizza was their thing. You see? Brought them all together. They're all mad at each other. Who's the leader? Who's not? Let's have a pizza. You know? And it was always the social, the extroverted one. It was Michelangelo that was the pizza guy. The most 
excited about pizza who brought them. You see how that works? And of course, also an incredible endorsement opportunity for Pizza Hut. <laughs> pizza Hut. Incredible endorsement opportunity for Pizza Hut. All right, let's do a quick, let's do a quick poll. Favorite Ninja Turtle growing up. Don't lie. Uh, Donatello. Donatello. Yeah. With the he had the he had the the long stick. The staff. The ooh, yeah. The the and he was also the the he was a smart one. Yeah. Like the with computers guy. and yeah. gadgets and things like that. Kirk, who do you got? You're going with Raphael. Yeah. You like the, the angst. Rebel. He was dramatic. He was, he was dark and dramatic. I'm not going to lie. I liked him too. I'm not going to lie. Jack, which Ninja Turtle? Casey Jones. No, you can't take <laughs> Casey Jones, man. Can he take Casey Jones? I feel like that's... No, so did I, but I feel like you can't answer that. I feel like it's not fair. Take, take Casey Jones, but take a Ninja Turtle as well. He'll go Leonardo. Okay. Leonardo. okay. The blue mask. It's fair. We got around it. No one took Michelangelo. Michelangelo, my brother's favorite. Nunchucks. I'll tell you a, a quick little tidbit on the Ninja Turtles. They only gave them the colors because they were worried that the weapons weren't enough of a differentiator for the North American audience. The Ninja Turtles in Japan all had the blue, the blue mask. They didn't have the colors, so they were less of a boy band. And, and because of the martial arts history in Japan, it was enough of a differentiation to just know which weapon they had that was unique. The mask and the color didn't have to be unique. So they got repackaged for North American consumption, much like the NES, which used to have a gray, it used to have a, a gray uh, pistol. What was the, what's that thing called that, for Duck Hunt? Blaster. It used to have a gray blaster. And then for the North American market, the moms got all scared and whatnot, so they made it red. So there's a lot of, there's some background. Some, don't do this to me, Will. <laughs> he's, he's showing me fat Ninja Turtles now. Pizza destroyed their lives. Anyhow, there you have it. We did it. We've been there. We've been there and back, Will. Never expected to get to Ninja Turtles today, but it's given me a warm and fuzzy feeling. I'm, uh, I'm traveling back in time, thinking about pizza, getting hungry like many of the people watching this, talking about Japan once again. That came back up. Ikea somehow pops up in two consecutive episodes. The Mac Pro, the ultimate cheese grater, it's back as well. I said it before, I'll say it again. What a time to be alive, Will. We get to do this. We sit down. We break it down. It's an incredible opportunity. It's an incredible responsibility. And I just hope you're aware of that responsibility. Mm -hmm. I am. I am. 